ask Bill Mallet if he would read this for us this morning. He's usually hiding back in the booth or somewhere behind the scenes, so. All right, what a rip. Happy New Year. <laughs> After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child and he was called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer, night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel in Jerusalem. Let us pray. Gracious God, open our hearts and minds to hear the message you intend for each one of us on this new day of the new year from the word just read and the words to come. Amen. So here we are, just one week after our Christmas celebration of the birth of the Messiah, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and we're already bumping into a time when someone is accepting and even welcoming death. My goodness, we haven't even taken down our Christmas tree yet, and our Christmas clock is still playing Christmas carols on the hour, and we're already thrust into a cold, dark world of death and swords piercing souls. What happened to all is calm, all is bright? Can't we camp out in the glow of the starry night with Christmas angels, a few more hallelujahs, a few lowing cattle? Just a few verses earlier, on Christmas Eve and then again on Christmas Day, we read in Luke how the shepherds told Mary and Joseph what the Lord had made known to them through the angels. Do not be afraid, for I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. For unto you is born this day in a city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Mary was just treasuring all these things and pondering them in her heart when Simeon gives her some new words to chew on. This child 
is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel. This child will be a sign that will be opposed. Oh, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Our silent holy night is shattered. The manger has suddenly become cruciform. But maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's start at the beginning of that scripture passage where we hear how Mary and Joseph are doing the orthodox and the acceptable Jewish tradition of circumcising and naming their baby on the eighth day. Jesus was born a Jew among Jews. He came under the law of Moses. According to Leviticus 12, after a woman gives birth to a son, she is impure for 40 days. At the end of that period, she's in to bring an offering to the temple for the priest to effect her purification. We learn that this is a good little Jewish family. We also learn that this is a poor Jewish family. Because according to the law, if a family cannot afford a lamb as the sacrifice for purification, then they can bring two little birds instead, which is what they did. So this year in the narrative lectionary, we get to explore the gospel of Luke. And we will soon see how Luke is always pouring, pulling for the people on the margins, a guy after my own heart. So it's kind of ironic that the very people who Jesus aligns himself with, the poor and the powerless, are actually reflections of his original family. The other part of the Jewish law that Mary and Joseph were fulfilling is found in Exodus 13, which states that every firstborn male, whether human or animal, belongs to the Lord. The clean animal would be sacrificed. The firstborn son would be redeemed. Now, this connects us back to when God claimed the possession of every firstborn in Israel during the Passover. So it is during the presentation of their firstborn son, Jesus, where we meet Simeon and Anna. These are two faithful servants who have been hanging out in the temple day and night, waiting for the intrusion of a faithful God. Simeon is filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's been revealed to him that he will not die until he has seen the Messiah. He not only sees the Messiah, he holds God's promise in his old, weathered hands. Anna's been worshiping and praying in the temple nearly her whole life at seeing the Christ child, the arrival of peace on earth. She is overflowing with praise and thanksgiving. These two old birds become the poster children for each one of us, young and old, because they model the posture that we are to take as we step out of the picture-perfect Christmas card of that silent holy night and right smack into the noise and the cruelty of the world. As we look back on 2016, which is likely a foreshadow of 2017, we are assaulted by the violence and the destruction and the loss we may be tempted to hide away in our homes, to lock the doors, to crawl into our beds and pull the covers over our heads. We remember the terrorist attack in Brussels, Nice, Istanbul, Berlin, and Munich. We remember the Pulse night, nightclub massacre, the police shootings of Alton and Philando, and the slaughter of Dallas police officers. 
We remember the earthquakes in Ecuador and Italy, the flooding in Louisiana, and of course, Hurricane Matthew that pummeled Haiti and even took 49 lives on the southeast coast in the United States. We remember Aleppo and Mosul. We remember the Zika virus, fires raging out of control, and planes crashing with Brazilian soccer players. And who can forget two-year-old Lane Graves, who was attacked and killed by an alligator at Disney right in front of his father. These horrific headlines of 2016 that sadden our hearts and bring fear to our souls don't even take into account our own personal experiences of death, of loss, and heartache. You know, those personal traumas that bore a hole in your heart so big, you're not even sure if you can take another breath. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world, the manger, and the cross. As we step into 2017 for the world at large and for our own personal, very small world, we need to remember the response of Anna who saw the Christ child and Simeon, who held the Prince of Peace in his hands. Simeon rightly predicts that the coming of salvation is also the advent of conflict. Yet his response is peace. He now has the courage to live and to die because he knows that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who has overcome the world. Anna's response, praise and thanksgiving. She sees the Christ child and immediately begins to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for redemption. The lights that they shine to help dispel the darkness are peace and praise. Just looking at the top stories from 2016 illustrates how desperately we need Anna and Simeon as we venture into the new year. We need them to help us utter the praise of God that both responds to God's presence and resists the presence of evil. We need them to model the reaction of this convergence of waiting and fulfillment. The kingdom is here, but not yet fully here. We need them to give us courage to trust in our God who is indeed present and powerful when the world that we live in seems so much different. We need them so that we can have the courage to shine our little lights into the dark places. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus also said, you are the light of the world. I was intrigued by the title of a book that I read last year called All the Light We Cannot See. It's about a blind girl and an orphaned boy set in World War II. And there are a fair share of disturbing images in this book. But the title reminds us that there is goodness and kindness going on that we aren't even aware of. Perhaps small acts, but often with far-reaching ripple effects. We read the headlines and we are immersed in the big stories of sadness and destruction but there are also stories of light, and we need to look for them, and we need to listen for them from those around us. And some of those stories, 
need to have you and me in the leading role. In medieval times, there was a charming legend that on Christmas Eve, the Christ child wandered throughout the world looking for a place where he would be welcomed. The esteemed Dr. McConnell did a version of this story with five of our teenagers at the Family, Eve Christmas, at the family Christmas Eve service. Dr. McConnell was wearing a Santa hat with Mickey Mouse ears and flashing lights, a sight to behold. Now, this story is slightly different because the Christians in this story are actively seeking the Christ child in whatever form he might take. It goes like this. Those who loved Christ, hoping that he would find their homes, would place lighted candles in the window to invite him in. No one knew what he would look like when he came in. He might be a beggar or blind or a poor and lonely child. So devout Christians welcomed all into their homes who knocked on their door on Christmas Day. To turn anyone away might have meant rejecting the Christ child. I wonder what it would look like if we were to shine a light of welcome from our window or to carry a light of love with us wherever we go into the grocery store or driving on the roads or into our communities. I learned something about light when I was running in the early morning darkness. As my eyes adjusted and I can pretty well make out the path in front of me, a runner who had thought ahead actually had a flashlight and they were shining the light so they could see the path, but it shined right at me. With that light shining on me, it actually blinded me. I couldn't even see the path around me anymore, so I had to stop until they went by. Well, a little while later, another runner came up from behind me, shining her light, and as she came alongside of me, something remarkable happened. Her light now made this pathway that helped both of us to see much better. There was something in that act of coming alongside and sharing that light. Coming alongside, maybe not exactly walking in my shoes or running in my shoes, but at least picking up the stride. So where will you shine your little light this year? Maybe your light will be like the teacher who started a gentleman's club for boys of single parent families. There's an elementary school teacher in South Carolina named Raymond Nelson, and he couldn't get his students to behave in class. It was then that he came up with this idea for this gentleman's club. Nelson bought jackets, vests, and ties for all the little kids who didn't have them. And then he began to teach them life lessons each week. So one week, he taught them how to, how to tie a tie. The next week, he, might he taught them how to talk to their elders. The next week, he taught them how to treat their sisters, their mothers, and their teachers. This strict dress code that he used served as his tool for nurturing the moral consciousness of these students because he figured a man wearing a tuxedo won't behave like a bully. Mr. Nelson said, I know that a lot of these boys struggle because a lot of them don't have men at home. So I just want them to grow up and think of some of these things that I teach them. Mr. Nelson is shining a light in the dark world of young boys without a male role model to guide them and to love them. Perhaps shining a light may mean bending the rules just a bit. 
When a wildfire in Canada had cut off Fort McMurray from the rest of the world, a mass evacuation began. Tens of thousands of people had to leave the city on airplanes as soon as possible. But what about their pets? As a rule, if you've ever flown, you know that if you're going to bring a pet with you, you have to fill out all kinds of paperwork. You have to provide special carriers, and then the pets are put down into the plane of the cargo hold. But fortunately, the people who were managing the airline came alongside of the people who were fleeing their homes and imagined the trauma of leaving behind one's beloved cat or dog. And the airline broke their own rules, allowing all of the pets to fly in the main cabins along with their owners. Every human and every furry family member was saved. A flicker of light. Sometimes shining our light is simply opening our eyes to those around us and responding with whatever we have. Anne Glancy, a retired school teacher, received a letter from city officials saying that if she didn't fix her house, she would be fined $3,000 every day. Well, this old woman had no one to help her. She knew no one, her friends had died, and then one day she looks out her window and she sees these young people working on her house. These kind workers turned out to be her neighbors, Adam and Kristen. This young couple, they don't have a lot of money, but they chose to spend their time in a meaningful way. They invited their friends to join them, and they spent the whole summer fixing up and painting Anne's house so she could continue to live in it. Another light. Maybe your light will be a smile or a hug or a listening ear or a kind word. You see, we can't run away and hide from the darkness. Friends, with a posture of peace and praise, we are called from the God of the manger and the cross to light up the lives of others with love and joy and decency. A light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not and cannot overcome it. Amen. God of manger and cross, invite us to this feast. This is prepared by our Lord Jesus Christ, inviting all of us to come from all walks of life and backgrounds and languages and cultures. So here we are as the scripture invited us to feast at the Lord's table. Let us pray. God of all times, we thank you for this very first day of 2017 